do what works for you, but you have to sort that out first so that you can make your life work for you, not for me, for you. You're listening to Small Minded, the podcast that believes being small is a good thing because small steps lead to big impact, small towns have a big heart, and small businesses play a big role in our modern way of life. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and here at Small Minded, we share stories and strategies to help small towns and small businesses flourish. Here's to a life well-lived, being small-minded. Welcome to another episode of Small-Minded Friend. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing someone who really embodies everything that this podcast is about. We are sitting down to speak with my friend, Addie Yoder. Addie is a mom, a farmer, a book lover, a fitness enthusiast, a life coach, and she is so passionate about all of these facets that make up her life. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about each of those. We talked for a while about her journey into life coaching and her quest for personal development. We talk about corn, and I learned a lot about byproducts of corn that I didn't know, which really blew my mind. And then we talk about books, and we talk about how all of this together can really influence the worldviews of kids and people who live in small towns. And while we love small town life, it's important to look beyond that and consult places like social media and books to have conversations about how people live differently and how that can make us better people as well. So we run the gamut in this very long conversation, but I know you're going to love it because Addie is so sweet, personable, intelligent, and just a great person. So without further ado, we're going to get into today's episode with my friend, Addie Yoder. Oh, Addie, I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you for having me. Ooh, um, Addie and I, I don't even know how long we've known each other now. It's been a year or two, but we kind of got like introduced to each other through a mutual friend of ours, Crystal. And then we've just been kind of following and interacting via Instagram the last couple of years. And we've like been book buddies, mailing each other book recs through the mail and just like chatting with each other on Zoom. So I'm excited to bring this to the listeners this week at Small Minded. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait to meet your people. Well, let's dig right in. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from and what you do. Okay. Well, tell me to be quiet if I go too long, cause I can get rowdy here. Oh man. And I know that's like a big ask in a small town, but just do your best Addy. You can do it. <laughs> okay. Thanks. So I am Addie Yoder. I am, um, let me see. I'll do it by order of importance. We'll see how that goes. I am a mom of four and a farmer in Northeast Missouri, where we raise corn and soybeans and we have cattle. And this year we're very excited because my oldest is in FFA. And so for her project, she raised an acre of sweet corn and it's almost ready. So we are like, yay. Yeah. We, it's been really fun to like be able to see the difference between the field corn and the sweet corn and have her get excited and have some investment in the farm. So that's been really cool this summer. So a mom and a farmer 
I am also a life coach and a podcaster. And so I help women online and over zoom and in person through speaking events. I help women in particular figure out who they are and what they want, and then how to use that information to simplify their life and to make easier decisions and just move forward with a little bit more purpose and direction. It's so easy to get lost when you're doing all of the external things. It's easy to forget like who that person is. And so when I went through that process myself, I hired a coach and had to like sort all those things out after having kids. I remembered what a big reader that I was growing up and I've always been a reader, but through my social media, you'll see that I share tons and tons of books and corn and kids and personal growth. And I just have the most fun making friends with people talking about all of the things. Um, you summarized yourself quite well and very efficiently. Good work. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I love that you touched on all of those pieces because part of what I want to highlight here at small minded is that in small towns, we are so multifaceted. And like you spoke to, you farm, you raise kids, you're a wife, you read books, you are a life coach, you have a podcast, like you have all of this stuff going on and you're using your knowledge and your people to help them live better lives too. So I am so excited to dig in a little further today. Addie, can you talk a little bit more about your journey? into life coaching. So I know you alluded to this a little bit ago about how you undertook a life coach at a certain point in your life. So can you speak a little bit more about why you made that decision and then what prompted you to pursue that journey for yourself? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of multi-stepped, you know, I don't think anyone just gets up in the morning and says, gosh, I need a life coach. I think there are things and events in your life that happen that lead you to this moment of needing a change. And for me, I had all of these kids and between my third and fourth, I had a miscarriage that kind of knocked me off of my rails a little bit. I mean, a lot, honestly, Mm -hmm. like I am super practical and have always been the person that like knows that these things happen for a reason. And I just wasn't prepared for the amount of grief that that put me into. And for about two years, I was anxious and I didn't sleep and I worried about things that were crazy and ridiculous. And I say that because they were like tiny things that regular people don't worry about all the time. And I did. And at some point after I had my son who is seven, now he's the youngest, I kind of just got sick of myself and I dove face first into health and fitness, not even really on purpose, but I just needed something to control and health Mm -hmm. and fitness was that for me in that minute. So I grasped that with two hands and I lost a substantial amount of weight and I got this fitness routine in place that I still uphold today, but that that change into health and fitness also led me into like personal development books and to leadership conferences and things like that. Because part of what I was doing was, you know, put good things in your body and put good things in your brain. And so through the good things in my brain, I went to a conference and this man was talking on stage about goals and the things that we want and the things that we don't know that we want. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's talking to me. And I paid for his online course without asking Josh and it was hundreds of dollars. And I swiped my card and asked for permission and forgiveness later, but <laughs> yep. you know how we do that. You're like, I know this is the right answer. I'm going to do it. 
fingers crossed. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I did that and he and his wife hosted this course and I, I actually won life coaching with his wife. I won oh three gosh, months. That's of coaching. Awesome. Yeah. Because I, in that phase, I probably wouldn't have invested in myself. I was not ready to, to put that investment in myself financially. But after working with her for three months, I could feel the difference. I could see the difference, like from the outside looking in, I could see how much more I laughed and how better, how much better I handled change and adapted to things around the farm because on the farm, you know, nothing is the same from day to day, nothing. And oh, yes. I cling to that control hard, but through having someone to talk through situations and an impartial person who isn't your mom or your spouse, who doesn't have an emotional investment in what you're doing. It helped me so much that I ended up working with her for about a year. And at the end of working with her, she was like, you know, I, I have this coupon. You know how we in the Midwest really enjoy a good coupon. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, she was like, I have this coupon. And if you want to be a life coach, I think you'd be really good at it. And it's a really, really good deal. And it was like a crazy good deal. And I was like, oh, that's really kind. Thank you so much. No, <laughs> because again, like, I, was, I have so much other stuff. Yeah. And like, no, I'm not, I know it's a discount, but I'm still not going to spend that money on myself and like have to go and learn this stuff. And no, I can't do that. I'm too busy. And so I got off the phone and I called Jocelyn and I was like, oh, it was so nice. Debbie said, blah, blah, blah. And she often said that I should, that I could be a life coach. And he was like, well, you told her yes. Didn't you? Oh my gosh. And I was like, well, no. And he was like, call her back, call her back now. And I thought he has lost his marbles. And I called my best friend and she said the exact same thing. And so I was like, there's something here. And I had to take a few days and think about it. And I was like, I cannot believe that people think of me this way. You know, you just don't view yourself through that lens. Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. Yes. And so I got my life together and was like, okay, maybe I am the person that people call to help them sort out their stuff. I do do that. And Jocelyn said, he was like, you're on the phone all the time. All you do is talk <laughs> to people about this stuff. Yes. You do this for free, go get paid for it, weirdo. And so that's what I did. And then, you know, how we do as women, I got this big certification and went to this really amazing conference and got this life coaching certificate and hid from it for a year. And just let it sit there and yes. like you have it, but you're just kind of like getting your bearings and figuring yourself out. Right. Cause why would I do something with it? It's scary out there to do things <laughs> no. with this thing that you started, right? So I sat on it for a long time and um, just started taking the small steps. Ultimately, that's like the big life lesson through this is just do the next thing. Because I sent out an email and I said, and let me tell you, I learned some hard lessons about email lists that day that I sent out this email. <laughs> <laughs> but I sent out an email and was like, Hey, I became a life coach. I need some clients to practice on. So I'm going to do this for you for super cheap. And I had some people say yes. And from there, I just kept doing the next thing led to the podcast and to my socials. And it's awesome. Oh, I love this Addie because so many things that you just said, like I resonated with a lot of what you mentioned there. 
And I know that there's listeners who will too. And I love that you talked about like how just having one thing at the beginning where you just like, you felt like you were out of control and like, you didn't know what the next thing was. So you just got something in line that you could repeat, that you could control, that you could do day after day and create some kind of routine that you could expect and manage. And that gave you the confidence to like, whether it was consciously or subconsciously, it gave you the confidence to be able to do other things like that down the road. And those small steps, like you mentioned, added up over time to give you the confidence, the courage, and the conviction in yourself that you could take on something like being a life coach. I love that. Well, thank you. And, and I think that the other important thing about those small steps is that it never felt overwhelming because I only looked at that one little thing that was next. I never looked at gosh, I'm going to build an empire and be like that person. You know, I I never had that goal and not to say that you shouldn't have that goal, but for me, I needed to just see that next thing. I needed to put my blinders on and look down at this one next step so that then I could take the next one. Ah, that's so important. And I think that, well, personally, my journey kind of mirrors yours in that I had a similar point where I was like at home with all these kids and like, I was feeling overwhelmed and I too, like started a workout program. And then that gave me confidence. And then from there, it like just kind of snowballed too. And I like also that your partner was supportive for you and telling you like, yes, you can do this because I just had this same conversation with my husband this week where I was like, I have this idea. And he's like, well, why didn't you do it? Why aren't you doing it? Go make that phone call. I'm like, I don't know. It just seems kind of scary. (laughs) It's like, just do it. And so it's so important. Like you said, to have that person in your corner and it might be your spouse. It might be your life coach, but it's so important to have someone that you can call, like you talked about, and then you can talk to that person about your ideas and they can give you that little boost. If you can't do that for yourself yet. Oh, I agree completely. And, and like you say, it doesn't have to be your spouse. Your spouse is pretty dang important in that situation, especially if you're talking about financial investments, like life coach certification, but having someone to cheer you on matters so much. Mm -hmm. Ah, so many good things there. So when you went through the actual life coaching, like program and certification, you mentioned like you worked with a life coach yourself, you went to conference. Is there anything like during that journey that really stuck out to you that you were like, oh, this was like a pivotal moment in my training. And I come back to that time again and again. Um, gosh, I don't know about through the training. So I got certified through the John Maxwell team and I love his books. Yes. Yes. So the conference itself was a really big deal. Like he is just so amazing. And it's one of the coolest conferences that I've ever been to, because, you know, you go to like, I don't want to say themed conferences, but like conferences for a specific topic or a specific group. And everyone is like, this is where you're going kind of down a similar path. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the John Maxwell, like the certification process, everyone is doing this for a different reason. Some people want it to help their employees because they own their own business. And some people want to be a public speaker and a motivational speaker. Some people want to do trainings for business. Everybody has some different reason or purpose or end goal. And it 
didn't matter at that conference, what your goal was, you could have done it so that you could be the best popcorn producer in the whole United States. And people had been like, that is amazing. And you're going to do so (laughs) great. And that was so empowering. Like it didn't matter what I said. I could have said anything and they'd been like, you're going to do this. This is going to be awesome. It was the most supportive, open-minded, positive conference that I've ever been to ever. It was oh, cool. That's so cool. I didn't know that that was the conference that you had gone to and yeah, his trainings and listening to him speak is just so uplifting. And like you said, it does give you like the energy and just like the support that you need to pursue that next thing that you have going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think staying in that space is super important. So like I went to this conference and then immediately needed to find the next thing because, you know, you get this like conference high and yep. you know what I mean? Like, it's like this thing, then you're like, I'm going to come back. And four days later, you forgot half of what you learned and where you were going to go because then you're doing laundry again. And so, so I just had to keep, keep finding that zone again, whether it was through talking to other people doing the same things or joining a different leadership group or whatever, just something to keep myself moving forward, leadership books, anything. So through like what you just talked about, it sounds like personal growth is something you really value and you look for. Um, Are there any other like books or speakers or people that stand out to you as someone you've learned a lot from in this personal development or growth space? Oh gosh. Um, in the very beginning, I gobbled up everything Gretchen Rubin put out everything. And she's completely night and day different from John Maxwell, like different (laughs) planets, but she was so instrumental in my own personal journey of figuring out who the heck I am because her, her Mm -hmm. words are so simple and they're so relatable because she is like, listen, I wasn't unhappy, but I knew that Mm -hmm. I could be happier. And I'm like, that is it right there. Like Yes. I know that there's more and there has to be simple things that I can do. And so I devoured her books. I haven't as much lately because she hasn't put anything new out in a while, but I mean the podcast and the books and everything just to like figure out all of those intricate details of like, where do I need to make things convenient for myself? And am I a morning person or a night person? And there are things that you think about and know, but you don't really consciously decide about yourself until you do it intentionally. And she helped me so much. And yeah, sometimes you just need somebody else to say it, like to put it on your radar and you're like, well, duh. Yeah. I know that. And I can do that. Yeah. I help clients all the time and they'll be like, well, I know I should get up early and work out and blah, 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 and have this really solid morning routine. And I'm like, but should, should you like, are you a morning person? I know I get up at five 30 and get my stuff done because that's when I work better. But if you're better at nine o'clock, do that, like do what works for you, but you have to sort that out first so that you can make your life work for you, not for me, for you. Oh, that's so, so important, Addie. I think that's like a gold nugget that we can take away from this episode. You have to do what works for you. And in this time of Like we have direct access to so many of these thought leaders and podcasts and books and TED talks. Like there's just information and development and 
ideas and inspiration everywhere. And we don't have to go too far to find it. But the big thing that we need to do is find out what works for ourselves. Because if you can't like take action in a way that is meaningful and is doable by you, like you can listen to all the podcasts that get published in a day, but like what takeaways are you going to actually implement? Right. And does that person suit you? I don't know if that's the right words, but I was this morning, I had a book set out that I was going to read and it had really bad words on the cover. And I know that that's really motivational for a lot of people, but I looked at it and my kids had taken washi tape and blacked out the bad words. (laughs) I love that. And so they were like, we don't talk this way, mom. And I was like, that's fine. And I thought, you know what? I can disregard this cover. It doesn't really matter that much and get what's on the inside. Cause it was kind of like a journal for self-care and I got in it and it was completely full of bad words. And I thought, you know what? I can't do that one. I just can't because we're not those people. And we are so conscious of words and how we speak in our house that I just couldn't read it. And so that book wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all, but it just wasn't going to work for me and help me move forward. It might work great for someone else. And probably that's what I'll do with it is I'll pass it on to someone who can use it. But for me, I know that one's not going to work. And Gretchen Rubin might not work for everybody either, but for me, she was a big deal. Ah, yes. And I think that's a really good point to make. Like the leaders have to work for you specifically. And what works for you at this time period in your life might change. Like you talked about switching from Gretchen over to John Maxwell. And I find myself, I went, when I was starting up this business, I followed, um, his name was Alex Sharfin. And I listened to every podcast he released every day, but eventually I was kind of like, okay, I'm ready to phase into something different. And then I took, like, I began reading books and listening to podcasts from Rachel Hollis. And then I've transitioned from there too. But like you said, like we go through these seasons where we need certain things and certain leaders bring certain things to the table and it's okay. If it works for someone else, it doesn't mean it will work for you. It's okay to consume someone else's content. For sure. hundred percent. So Addie, let's talk a little bit about the specifics that you do for your clients. If someone comes to you and they're saying maybe like what you just said, I'm not unhappy but I know I could be happier. How do you begin unpacking which direction to take that client with a life coaching uh, program? I am very question-based. Like I don't necessarily have a program because everyone is so different. The first thing that I always do is I want them to tell me everything. I'm like the first call. I just want you to tell me why, why you're here, why this is important to you. Is there something that you know you want to accomplish, a feeling that you want to change? And I just let them go. And usually I make notes and I listen and I star things and I have my nerdy little highlighters out. And so then I'll circle back and be like, okay, well, this is what I heard you say. Did I pick up on the right things? And then we'll go through it again. And it's, um, one of my clients said once that it's almost like, you know how you have a junk drawer? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, we take your junk drawer and we dump it out. And then we sort everything out and then we try to put it back in or put it where it goes and try to figure out it's finding order in all of the chaos. And so, so there's that usually, usually with my clients, what they come to me with is not their problem. What they come to me with is what they're feeling in that minute. But when I ask questions and when we talk about things and we sort it out, there's usually something else happening 
or something else they really want. And sometimes we figure that out right away. And sometimes it takes us a while, but it's never a straight line. And so that to me is why the question process is so important. It's, you know, how am I going to figure out what exactly they really need and what they're looking for? And sometimes it's just an ear. That's it. Oh, I love that customization because every person that comes your way, I'm sure they have different needs and they have different styles of communication and different ways that they work best. Some people probably want that agenda that they can check off or a checklist and other people, like you said, they just need someone who can talk to them objectively. And I love that you build it around what your person needs rather than making the person fit what you have prepared up front. Oh yeah. And like some people really want homework. I'm that person. I want you to give me three tasks that I can complete between sessions. So I feel like I'm accomplishing something. And some people do not need that at all. They're like, no, I'm good. I'll be back in two weeks. Bye. And some people, I have one right now that I've been waiting on for two months because she had this goal and she's like, okay, I have the deadline. I don't want to talk to you again until I've accomplished this goal. This is when I'm going to do it. I'll get back to you on this date. And I'm like, all right, I'll check in with you. And I write it on my calendar and I check in, but she's not ready. And so she's going to wait. And that's great. Oh, that's genius. Make, letting people do what's comfortable for them. That's perfect. That's so perfect. Yeah. It's like parenting. <laughs> Which is a great segue into what I was going to say next to kind of bring together the different things we've already discussed and like deciding who to work with. If you're looking for a leader or a life coach, something that I do is look for someone who maybe their life doesn't look just like mine, but someone who has to balance a lot of the things that I have to balance too. So when you are coming to the table, offering someone life coaching and guidance, you also bring to the table, knowing how to parent and manage a business, how to manage a farm and do all of these things at the same time. So like, if I'm looking for a life coach, it's one way to look at somebody who lives on the East coast in New York city, and they are like 30 years older than me. And they have a whole different set of life circumstances, but I think it's really important to say does, and I didn't come up with this. Someone else didn't, I can't think of who it is, but like, does that leader live a life that you value too? not just bringing their experience and their credentials? Do they have a life that you want to? And I think that yours is such a beautiful representation of family, farm, small town, pursuing the best for yourself and bringing that all together. Yes. And I think that's super important to know about yourself because it also helps you prevent that comparison piece. Don't you think like mm -hmm. when you know what kind of life you're headed for, whether it's in the beginning stages or like you've got it figured out, knowing that like, like I have time for these things and I want to do these things. And even though I'm seeing you over here do X, Y, Z, and that looks super fun that may not be exactly the right fit for me. And I think people and coaches and working relationships in a lot of areas are very similar to that. Oh, sorry. If I'm like, I'm, I gave you a set of prep questions, but kind of, like I said, like, sometimes I just get on tangents and I feel like I'm being very like philosophical today. <laughs> so, so thank you for like following along. Sometimes I'm going on tangents. Addie, where 
like, I know that you have these outlets and outreaches where people can get in touch with you. We're not wrapping up by any means, but what are some ways that you can allow people to get in contact with you or see how you coach or experience some of your life coaching and guidance before they even like decide to sign up or send that discovery call email to you? The two ways that I always recommend people, if they want, um, that kind of personal growth information, Instagram is always the first touch, you know, go to Instagram. You're going to get a little bit of everything there, but I send out an email every Monday about some sort of story about what's going on in my life, whether it's this week, it was about guilt and about the things that I feel terrible about and how I'm walking through that. Um, next week, it's going to be on something completely different. I tell stories based off what I'm listening to or what the kids have done or whatever. So that's one that is an easy place to get just quick bits in your email once a week. Um, get that at addyoder.com. If you just go to the bottom of the very first page, there's a, a place to insert your name. Sometimes it pops up. It doesn't on my computer because I've been there a million times. <laughs> Cookies. Um, but that's the first place. The other places, I also have a podcast called Grace and Growth with Addie, and it is based off of the same philosophy of my coaching as using that information of who you are and what you want and sorting through all of that to live a, a simpler and a simpler life, I guess, and, you know, using it to make decisions and to feel more confident in the things that you do. So it's on all of the podcast platforms, Spotify, Stitcher iTunes. And I put out, sometimes they're short, sometimes they're long, but usually again, it's almost always something that I'm walking through with you. Yes. I love seeing the different people that you're bringing in on the podcast or the different topics that you're talking about. I know you and I had talked about this before, but one of your topics this summer that I really loved was like the top book recommendations that your kids had. And I was so excited to see that because I was like, oh, my kids read that book or, oh, they liked this other book, just like Addie's kids. So maybe then they'll like this other suggestion that her children had and I can present that to my kids. So I love that you are just like walking through life and you're bringing your followers along with you through the podcast, through the email, through your Instagram. And then they get a taste of who you are and your leadership style. And then they can make a decision about getting involved with you for a life coaching perspective. I just think that's so important. I think that they should have a good idea of who I am. They should be able to trust me on some level because coaching is personal. You know, that's your inside stuff. And I want to make sure that whoever comes to me for that free 30 minute call on my website to figure out if coaching is for you, I want them to be okay with telling me their stuff and to know that I'm going to keep that. I'm not going to go tell my husband when we're done. Cause that's unethical, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I want them to know like, Hey, I'm a normal person. And I walk through some of these things as well. And so it's a safe space. I love that. Okay. I'm going to switch gears and I don't have a good way to do it, but I would like to talk about some of the other parts of your life too, the farming, the way you're showing up in community and, um, your book recommendations and all those things too. So let's start with farming. What was the journey for you to get into farming? Is it something that you've been doing since you were young? Is it something that you grew into in your like teen or young adult years? Tell us all about it. Oh gosh. Okay. So again, <laughs> shut me off if I go too far, but I actually grew up around the farm, but not on the farm. You know, they say 
most Americans are one to two generations removed from a farm. And I am one of those people because my parents did not farm, but my grandparents did. So I was aware, but I didn't really know. So I was an FFA kid. I actually went to college and got an ag education degree and taught FFA for a year. And then we moved out of state where I pierced ears and sold maternity clothes and did millions of other non-agricultural things for five years, had kids, came back to the farm. My husband um, caught me in a moment. I was the person that was never, ever going to go back. Never, ever. Mm -hmm. And when you say never, ever, it bites you. Oh, 100%. Yep. So he just caught me in a weak moment and he was like, I think I want to go back to the farm. And I was like, okay, fine. And we moved back to the farm and had more kids. And I honestly didn't have anything to do with it. Nothing. I made sandwiches and I raised babies. And it wasn't until five or six years ago, he took me to a a corn growers conference. It was a leadership group that he was like, I signed us up for this. Cool. Let's go to Des Moines. And I was like, yay, Des Moines. (laughs) (laughs) I've always wanted to go there. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so we um, went to Des Moines and I met really cool people. And I found out about Common Ground, which is a volunteer organization of farm women who have conversations with non-farm women. And since I was doing this health and fitness thing, I heard a lot of things about food and farming that I didn't think made sense. I was like, I get your concern, but I don't think that's what's happening here. I don't, I don't know what to do with that. And so that meeting in Des Moines just was a page turner for me. It was okay. I'm going to start asking questions. I started doing some videos on social media and talking more about the farm. And I, I tripped into corn. If you follow me, you know that I like, I talk about corn a lot because I think it's so pretty and I do love it, but I started talking about it because it's very visual. Like it's the first thing we plant and it grows super fast and it's something that's easy to show and it's right out my door. And the more Mm -hmm. I learned about it, the more I was like, oh, I really like this. And one day he got an email from somebody at Missouri corn growers. And it was like, Hey, we're having a lobby day. All of a sudden on Tuesday, can you come? And he was like, no, but Addie can. Oh, (laughs) and I was like, you want me to who? (laughs) So he was like, you know, this stuff, just go and talk to the people at the Capitol. It's no big deal. And I was like, well, that feels kind of like a big deal, but It was, I mean, it was kind of a big deal. Like I really liked it and I got involved with corn. And so not only do I talk to women off the farm, I get to talk to Congress people and people making decisions in corn. And I have big corn goals and all of that sounds so dorky when I say it out loud, but I just love it so much. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of my farm story is that I talk about corn basically everywhere I go corn and books. What does Addie do? She talks about corn and books. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, I think this is so cool because like you said, I mean, you don't always have to grow up ag to find that you have a love and a passion for it. And it kind of brings us back to earlier in the conversation. Sometimes you need that nudge. You need that person who's like, you know, this, you can do it. Yeah. And then you step up kind of like you going to the Capitol with your corn knowledge. Like that is so cool. And I can kind of see my journey is again, kind of similar to yours where like the more I, I, I mean, I'm not involved in our farm operation by any stretch of the imagination, but 
I do too. Like enjoy seeing the corn grow. And I learn things from my husband every year that I'm like, I swear you've never told me this before. He's like, I tell you every year when we do this. And I'm like, it's just mind blowing. We have yeah. a sweet corn patch behind our house too, this year for the first time. And I was in it the other day, just like seeing how far the ears are, like if we're getting close and some of the stocks have like three ears growing from them. And I was like, Ryan, is it supposed to do this? And he's like, no, but it means we must have pretty good crop coming. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Yeah. Well, I'm such a dork. We were out in ours, um, just the other day and we'd been on vacation. And so I hadn't seen it with the tassels on it because the sweet corn is so much smaller than the regular field corn. You can really see stuff. And mm-hmm. so I was like, Jocelyn, there's worms all over this corn. What's happening? And he's like, Hey, weirdo, that's not worms. That's the anthers from the pollen and the tassels falling down on the leaves. And I was like, who knew they look like worms? That's so crazy. Like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. Yeah. It looked like worms all over it. And I was like, there's diseases and bugs. And he was like, no, it's supposed to do that. Get your life together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in the sweet corn patch the other night, like I said, and I was looking at for some ripe ones. I'm like, we have a long way to go. I'm like, they're all tiny and stuff. And then my mother-in-law came over and she's like, no, you just got to look for the ones that have like the brown tassels. That means they're ready yeah. and they're ripe. And I was like, I didn't know that. And so he she said, went in last yeah. night and she found ripe ears. And I was like, oh my gosh, I thought we were like two weeks away. Yeah. He said the same thing. He was like, well, yeah, this one's close. It's turning brown. See? And I was like, I had no idea. Look at us just learning. I'm sure there's people listening who are like, wow, <laughs> nerds, <laughs> but also cool. <laughs> yeah. Or they're like, come on, girls, get it together. <laughs> it's a, I'm part of a women in business group here locally. And there's like a section of us that are in like a rural County and we all come together. And then there's a section of us who are in a more Metro area. And so we asked the leader who comes to both meetings and we said, how do we compare to the more Metro group? She's like, well, you guys talk about chickens a lot more than the other group. (laughs) We find a way to incorporate chickens in every meeting, but that reminds me of this corn talk. Um, Okay. So to get us back on track. You mentioned going to the common ground meeting and having conversations and hearing like conceptions about food and then comparing that to what you knew from the farm background. Can you talk through a couple of those, maybe on a more specific level, what are some of the misconceptions or the things that people might misconstrue or misunderstand about farming practices? And how do you want to like maybe set the narrative straight? Um, The most common question I get that is like a consumer to farmer question is, um, do you guys eat a lot of corn? (laughs) And someone asked me the other day, if the corn flavor was different, like Florida corn, does it taste different than Missouri corn? And I was like, okay, so most of the corn that you see is not the corn that you eat. And they're like, what are you talking about? So I have found that in general, most people who aren't on the farm raising corn every day, which is you know, 99% of the population don't know that our corn is used for animal feed and for ethanol production and exports and bourbon that it's used for those things. And it's not all just like acres and acres and acres of sweet corn. And so that is, I'm used to it now, but at first I was like, wait, what you, what? And so that was surprising to me. 
Um, I'm trying to think, I feel like I got another really good one recently. A lot of people just don't know, like they just don't have anyone to ask. And so they hear something on social media or they read something on the internet or even in a book, like I read romance all the time. And, you know, the one I read yesterday said something about how, like they had to have organic produce at their restaurant because of blah, 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 blah. And, you know, if that's the two lines of information you're getting, it doesn't give your brain permission to accept that like other areas of business or production or however, you know, in the world, there are so many ways to do things and all of them are correct. There are good farmers and there are bad farmers, just like there are good bankers and there are bad bankers. But it doesn't have to be one note. Oh, Addie, this is fantastic because it, again, brings us back to earlier in your conversation where there's no life coaching format that's going to fit every single person. And just what you talked about there, there's a whole bunch of options in the way that our food is produced and the way that crops are raised and they're all correct. And there's people who want that no matter which way that you do your production. And so I think that's such an important note to take away from this interview that there's a million different ways to farm and all of them are right for different people. Yeah, for sure. And one of the coolest things about what I do as far as the farm goes is that I, I show all of these things about the farm, but the majority of the people that follow me, like, yes, there's a good chunk of people that follow me that are from rural America, but there is a bigger chunk that are women who care about health and fitness, who love to read romance novels, who are in my space for something completely different. And so then if I can tell them the story about how my corn goes right down the road to the ethanol plant and gets turned into cleaner burning fuel for your car. And the co-product of that is the carbonation that they put in your diet Coke. Isn't that cool? I did and not know that. To add to that, instead of selling the carbon to Coke, they have built a dry ice facility at our ethanol plant. And so they take all of that carbon and turn it into dry ice and help move COVID vaccines around. Isn't that bananas? I didn't, this is blowing my mind. Oh my gosh. I did not know that. Yeah. So like Addie Yoder helping spread COVID vaccines around because I sold my corn to the ethanol plant. Ta-da. That like my mouth is gaping. This is really blowing my mind. I did not know that. Like we have an ethanol plant not too far away from here. And I just thought it was ethanol. I didn't think about the byproducts that they're also producing at the same time. Yeah. So outside your ethanol plant, there's probably this huge tank that looks like the gas tank in your yard, but it's huge. And it it's covered in like insulation that almost looks like frost. If you drive slow, look, there's like two or three of them outside mine. And that is filled with all of that, like, like carbonation that they sell to Coke. My poet plant sells it to Coke on a regular basis. And so when I talk about it on social media, I'm like, okay, so here I am in the semi we're driving to the ethanol plant. This goes into my friend, Randy's diet Coke, because she reads books in Utah and drinks diet Coke every day with her ice cream, because those are the two things that she loves. And I know this about her because we're friends and we talk about books all the time. And so I'm like, this either goes to Randy's diet Coke, or it goes to this little building where they make dry ice. And it's so cool to feel like I have an impact, but also that I can pinpoint something that's directly impacting 
my friend in LA and my friend in Long Island and the people that I know in Florida who don't necessarily care where my corn goes. They think it's pretty and that I have a cute little dog that runs around next to it, but they don't really care. And they don't really know what ethanol is because in LA, they don't put an ethanol sticker on your gas pump, Mm -hmm. but they care about getting their grandma a COVID vaccine. And And so the outreach that rural America has, well, the outreach any person has goes beyond your immediate day to day. There's ripples. And like what you're talking about, like you can touch the lives of people so far away by raising corn like you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I love that you brought up. um, So getting into my social media nerdiness, but like you talked about, you show up on social in a lot of different ways, just talking about your life and the way that it unfolds each day. And you might touch on your corn. You might touch on your life coaching or your physical fitness routine or your kids or your books, but people are coming to you for a specific portion of what you share. But when they come to you for that specific piece, they're also getting all of these other things, kind of like the byproducts, right? And so you're able to connect with people in so many ways. And I love that you talked about this network of friends that you've built from all over the place and how they come to you for one reason, but then they stay with you and they learn about all these other things. I think that is so, so cool. Yeah. Oh, and it is the most rewarding. Like that light bulb moment when I shared that about the diet Coke for Randy, when she was like, really you help with my diet Coke? Like that moment is the best, the best. And as I'm going to get a little bit spicy here, so totally take it out if you need to, but through the election, I had the best conversations through the election. Like I felt like I was doing the good work because, and I hope that doesn't sound conceited, but all of those people who aren't living where we're living and going through the issues and don't view it through the same way, I could sometimes say like, oh, that's really interesting. Can you tell me more about why you feel that way? And I could learn from their perspective, but I could also share like, well, you know, if that gets passed, this is how it affects us here. And what Mm -hmm. that really means when they pass X, Y, Z, while that looks good there, it affects us in this way. And we're doing this. And so when that says yes, here, it's telling us no, so that we can't do the good things that we're doing. And they're like, well, we had no idea. But at the same time, I learned a lot too. I learned a ton about social injustice and all of the things in urban areas, especially during the pandemic, I learned so much about how to be a better human and support other groups of people than I would have if I didn't have those relationships built. Oh, I agree with this. And I love that you mentioned just asking that question of, can you tell me more? I think that opens the door to so many more productive conversations than like just going into shutdown and defensive mode. Like we can sometimes see in comments sections. But that question of, oh, this is interesting. Can you tell me more? It allows the other person to share openly and feel like they're in a safe space. And like you said, you learned, and then you could provide some insight into how it might be different because there's no one right answer or one wrong answer. It's so nuanced. And I think opening the door for productive conversation begins with that question that you posed. Yes. And then I could double down and take everything that I learned and talk about it with my kids and with Jocelyn, and we could sort some of it out because 
some of those things, and I find this similar values in books is if, if I don't ask questions or pick up a book or do something to learn myself, I'm only going to get one tiny piece of the world. And I'm never going to get those experiences that are going to help keep me well-rounded and help me do a better job when I go to talk to people at the Capitol or talk to other women about the farm, because if I don't have any sort of understanding about where they're coming from, I'm not going to be effective at all. Oh, Addie, that is, that is awesome. That is so great. I love that you brought that all together. And my final question is about small towns. So we're going to get there in just a second, but there's like a representation about small towns that they can be isolated and they can be in a silo and they can be figuratively and literally, I guess, but like that you can only like see people who look like you and think like you, and you have conversations that are only one-sided, but what you just said, like by reaching out and having conversations via social media or picking up a book or getting curious and listening to a podcast that allows you to have such a much wider worldview. And it makes you such a well-rounded person. That's huge. Yeah. And I think it's so important to show those things to my kids. So important because they're not going to know, especially in a year and a half where they've not gone anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like they're seeing the same six people on repeat and having no other experiences. Yes. And it can be so easy when you're living in a radius. And we all know about that after the year that we had, if you're living in a small radius, like it can just like your problems and your questions and your thought process can feel so big. But when you like put yourself like in the perspective of the big picture, it's like, oh yeah, there's all this other stuff outside of there. And from a mom, yeah. How do I take these other ways of life or these other thoughts and share that with my kids? So they go out into the world and have a more well-rounded understanding of how life is like in other places. Yeah. That's all I want. I want them to have a good worldview and to be nice humans and not say bad words. (laughs) You need to get that book out of your house then. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay. Addie, what do you love about living and working in a small town? And then we're going to dig into what I call the small talk round. Okay. Um, I love, okay. Everything that I love has been highlighted in the pandemic. Like so many people are like pandemic, pandemic, but I love that our life didn't change that much. Like my kids ran free all summer. I love that if I can, I can use my rural living as an excuse to stay home. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, it's too far. We don't want to go there today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shoot. I have chores. I can't make it. (laughs) Yeah. Darn it. No, (laughs) I love the community. Like I love that there are people that drive my kids around, that I drive their kids around, that we bounce in and out of each other's houses. I love that when somebody has a car accident, we all cook dinner. You know, I love those things about small town life. So awesome. Okay. Remind us where people can find you online and follow you. And then we'll get into my small talk round where I just ask you random questions. Okay. I love random questions. You can find me on Instagram at addy.yoder. Um, my website is addyyoder.com and the podcast is Grace and Growth with Addy. Oh, and if you're bookish, I have a book club on Facebook. It's called Book Club with Addy. 
And if you don't want to search it in the search bar, you can go to my Instagram bio and the link is in there. So it's fun. We're voting, voting for a new book very soon. So get in there and get in the voting. Addie has the best book recommendations. I was going to weave that into small talk a little bit, but your book recommendations are always top notch. And I love that they're like a variety. They're so good. Oh, okay. Thank you. So now small talk round, I'm going to come up with random questions. Just answer back with the thing that's top of mind. They have not necessarily anything to do with corn or life coaching or anything like that. Sometimes they do, but they're just random. And I would just like to know. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Addie, what is your go-to snack when you're working from home? Well, my go-to snack when I'm not being healthy is Cheez-Its right now. Cheez-Its. Right now I'm transitioning back into healthier eating after a pandemic life. And so I'm trying to sort out a snack. If you have any suggestions that aren't Cheez-Its. I also found out one of my kids has a nut allergy. So I'm trying to watch that too. So yeah. Uh, one of the things that I like, I'm trying to eat healthier as well and boost my protein intake. And I found it's called Oikos triple zero yogurt. It's like Ooh. Greek yogurt, but it has a nice consistency and texture that you don't always get, but it's like zero sugars, zero carbs, zero something else, but a lot of protein. And it's really good. I like vanilla and black cherry. Okay. That's good to know. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. What was your first job that you were paid for? Oh, this is fun. When I was 14, I worked in an ice cream parlor in my little small town and I scooped ice cream and made milkshakes and they had really good chicken salad sandwiches. And I worked there for a summer and it was, it was super fun. Oh, I like that a lot. What was your favorite ice cream flavor to treat yourself? I would make myself milkshakes like raspberry milkshakes or peach milkshakes or whatever. I would like to find a fun fruit and make milkshakes. That's I love that answer. Um, what book are you reading right now? Other than the bad word book that you mentioned earlier. Oh yeah. I ditched that. I am reading three. Are you ready? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, I, I read three because I read different genres and different formats. So in the morning I'm reading personal development and I'm reading Dale Carnegie and I'm going to get the title wrong. It is something about how, how to stop worrying and start living. And it's one of those books, like when you read Eleanor Roosevelt, um, where it's written like a hundred years ago, but it's still so applicable and true. Mm-hmm. I'm reading church of the small things by Melanie Shankle because she's hilarious. And I love her. What and genre is that? It is Christian nonfiction. Okay. Ish, but she, it's like Jen Hatmaker ish. She's kind of funny oh, okay. and has a point and yeah. Um, and then for my fiction book, I am reading the mismatch. And I do not know the author because it's right here in front of me. It doesn't come out until August, but it is about, um, an Iranian girl in London who just graduated college and is trying to get a job, but she has a bunch of family issues. And because of her religion and her family culture, she's never been kissed. And so she decides to kiss this man that she knows kind of in college. And she thinks that he's just a jock but there's more there. So I'm not very far into it. It's good so far, but it's written by a British author. And sometimes British books like that just have a cozier feel than American written ones. And so I'm really enjoying it. The fiction book I just read also had a British component to it. And I agree. I loved it. They were talking about going to the sea and like 
summering instead of vacationing. I was like, oh, this is so like, just adds that extra, like fancy element or cozy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Peppa Pig for grownups. <laughs> That's a great analogy. <laughs> okay. Next small talk question. You mentioned your highlighters. What is your favorite color of highlighter to use? Yellow or pink. Ooh, good. One. Orange is the devil. Orange needs to go. <laughs> I, I find myself not liking blue very much. I don't use the blue highlighter in the pack. Addie, we are almost to the end of summer at the time of this recording. Last question. What is something on your bucket list before summer ends and the kids go back to school? Oh, well, our summer end of summer, like tradition that we all love, except for Linus, because he's a seven-year-old boy is, um, our back to school shopping day. We love and adore school supplies, all three girls and me, and we make a big day out of it. Usually I do like checkups at the doctor's office. We go to Columbia, which is about an hour and a half away. And we do doctor's appointment and we get our haircut at the fancy haircut place. And then we go to Target and we get Starbucks and we look at all the cool school supplies and we eat lunch and it's like an occasion. And so I have a lot on my calendar in August. And so the girls are trying to sort out when we do that, but, um, we all look forward to it. And so we are very much looking forward to that in the next few weeks. That's so cool. I love that tradition that you have. And it's just, it sounds so idyllic. Like what a beautiful way to celebrate the end of summer and the beginning of a new school year. Yeah. We just are all in on pens and notebooks. Great. I love it. (laughs) Well, Addie, thank you so much for your time today and for telling us all about your journey to life coaching, the importance of corn, the cool books that you've got on your shelf right now. I knew that this would be a fun conversation that ran through a bunch of subjects and I think it was great. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. All right. We're going to sign off. Bye-bye listeners. Bye. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the small minded podcast, the place on the internet where we celebrate small towns, small businesses, and the people who love them. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be forever grateful to have a review of your experience over on iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you tuned in today. And as always, we welcome you sharing this podcast with your friends and family on social. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Small Minded Podcast or at mollyknuthmedia.com slash podcast. Please go out, make today a good one. Take a small step towards a bigger impact. Here's to a life well lived, being small-minded.